The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Uh, today is Bad Flip Crazy, the one and only Toby. I, I'll be honest, I meant to ask beforehand, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. My last name, it's a tough one. It's Gavon, Gavon. Uh, but okay. it doesn't look anything like that. So <laughs> that's why I go by Toby G or when mm. I'm like calling up an order for somewhere or I have to give my last name, I'm like, it's, it's Gavon, but it's spelled like Gwevin, G-U-E-V-I-N. Gotcha. Do you ever go by Vaughn then? Uh, I have never gone by Vaughn, but just mm. you suggesting it makes me think that maybe <laughs> I should. Well, I mean, you do have a, br- a brother named Ricky, right? You must. <laughs> I you do. To. I do. I do. We have similar pitching skills. <laughs> Me minus the velocity. I don't have the control or of the course. velocity. He got right. the velocity. So. Oh, man, that's just not fair sometimes, you know? It's just, <laughs> how, how, do, how do they just have the velocity? I, I had to live with 79 and 84 on my very best day. It's not fair, Toby. I but know. anyway... You want to know something? Every (laughs) day of mine is spent. Whatever I'm doing, I just have uh, the driveline like weighted balls and I'm just throwing them against hard walls all throughout the day, just hoping that at some point in time, Mm. that velocity will get there for me. Oh, yeah. You got to do that behind behind the back, right? You got to do that throw a ton. You know, get that get that shoulder going backwards. Anyway, uh, if you guys don't know about Flip Crazy, well, Toby... Tell them all about what you do, because uh, it's it's pretty awesome, I gotta say. Um, so I do I do fantasy baseball. Not surprising since I'm on uh, on the pod, um, but I I have a Twitter uh, feed. I have a podcast, Batflip Fra- Crazy Fantasy Baseball, which I've had for a few years now, um, and I've been doing the fantasy baseball thing for three or four years at this point in time. And I think I kind of got into fantasy baseball initially, and I guess people got to know me from doing like rolling average graphs. I would post rolling average graphs on Twitter and all of that stuff and kind of a little bit more analytically inclined, I think. And so now a lot of my programming actually is through the podcast just because I find that I enjoy I enjoy going deep and so talking a little bit more in depth and I find that's difficult to do on Twitter. If you haven't noticed that, it's oh, it's yeah. tough to have uh, <laughs> have meaningful analysis on, on Twitter sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I can also really uh, uh, understand the, the desire to go deep a lot, right? And we only have a section called going deep, of course, at Pitcher List. So uh, I, I absolutely adore that. And what... um so. Uh, it's a little different than some other people I've talked to. For example, last week I talked to DVR, who's been in this industry for 16 years. He was talking about joining Rotowire in 2005. 
and kind of got to the podcasting routes through that. Well, he still writes as well on top of it. But I think a lot of people will say that they know DVR, of course, through through uh, Rates and Barrels um, and just his golden voice. And I, uh, what made you start really? I uh, saying you what I am going to do this podcast. I mean, I, I'm still I mentioned it before to you, but I still adore the fact that there are times I'm driving and I'm just going to do a podcast on things right now. And that kind of spirit, I mean, I think really comes out in 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 what you do. Uh, so, what really drove you to say, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this thing. Yeah, well, I I played fantasy baseball for a long time. I, I kind of grew up baseball. My dad was a uh, the high school baseball coach. We always did baseball. Baseball was everywhere. And then I kind of honestly like fell out of love for baseball for a little while. Mm-hmm. And what got me back into it was doing fantasy baseball leagues with my friends in college. And so then I started doing analysis like, you know, just stuff like Babbitt, kind of your Babbitt stuff, like your basic analysis. And I spent so much time doing it. My wife was like, hey, you know, you seem to be pretty good at, at doing this. You know, have you ever thought about doing a blog or putting yourself out there. And I was like, well, you know, I don't really enjoy putting myself out there that much. I don't know what I would have to contribute. But uh, my, I had uh, our second uh, child was born and I kind of had like I was at home. I was, you know, just had a little bit of time. And so I started a blog. I think my first post ever was about Kendris Morales and how he was uh, he was an underperformer on expected WOBA and other StatCast-related right, metrics, yeah. not knowing that sprint speed was not a part of that. And so he was always a laggard when it came to that. <laughs> so I, I started out with that, and I started out on Twitter and just putting my stuff out there. And, and you know, people started following me slowly but surely. And, and then... I really, I really wanted to go more in depth. I would, I literally would spend eight hours writing a single article, you know, just doing the research and making sure it was coming across as I wanted. But I found myself leaving out these, what I thought was really important parts of the conversation. And for anybody who's listened to the podcast, you know, I can talk a lot. And so I was like, Hey, if I do a podcast, it will actually give me an opportunity to go into a little bit more depth and to provide a little bit of the nuance that I always felt was missing a little bit from my writing. Because mm-hmm. you just can't get into all of that details in writing because eventually people just fall asleep. You yeah, know, sure. so that that was kind of how the podcast started. It initially it was just me doing it. And I did, I think, a, about a hundred shows or so. And then I was on the the Bench with Bubba podcast with Bubba a couple times. And I felt like we just had really good chemistry and we worked right. together really well. And so he reached out to me about the possibility of partnering. And since then, really, I've, I've done mostly podcasts with Bubba. A few, like you mentioned, in the car, driving home from drafts and things like that, where um, where it's just me. But But mostly it's the two of us. I mean, yeah, I think everybody, uh, you know, appreciates those podcasts. Uh, I got the, the opportunity to talk to Bubba. I think it was about 10 episodes ago. Uh, it's fantastic. You guys should listen to that one as well to, to learn about his story. Um, but I mean, it's uh, well, okay. So it's not for everybody to do what you do essentially. Right. And you, know, you have a second kid and what do you think? I need to start doing something else too. Instead of wait, no, hold on. I've, I might actually not have as much time because I have my second kid now, but no, you're like, I can, I can handle this. And you certainly have. I, uh, what, uh, a lot of people just know you as that podcaster now, uh, but there's a lot more to Toby. So when it comes to you growing up, let's just start there. What were the hopes and dreams of young Toby? Hopes and dreams of young Toby. I'm not quite sure. Uh, maybe it was podcasting because I, <laughs> I like to talk a lot. So my, sure, yeah. Growing up, so I'd hang out around the baseball field a lot. Like my dad was the coach. 
And I, I haven't thought about it that much, um, but my nickname was Mouth when I was there. And that's because I <laughs> talked so much. Now, I thought it was like this really endearing thing that they probably right, were yeah. like, oh, you know, like, you know, he's whatever. But no, like now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, it makes a lot of sense because I got I have two, you know, boys, four and seven, just a ton of energy, a lot of words. Um, and so, yeah, it's just um, yeah, so that's kind of how I grew up. I was also I was always um, I don't know when I thought about like what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, it was always about um, I want to do something that contributed to the world. I'm not sure my fantasy baseball necessarily does that, but um, that was something that was important kind of growing up in our in our in our household. Um, and so that was something that was always kind of the driving force, I think, behind a lot of uh, things that I, I've done kind of in, in life in general outside of fantasy baseball. And then also just with the podcast, I think, you know, maybe one of the things that resonates with people is I try my best. And sometimes I'm, I don't do this, but I try to be, I try to be like kind. I try to be thoughtful and and to Mm -hmm. be aware. And um, sometimes I'm better than that at other times, but I try to convey that. And, you know, my sign off is always be kind to one another. And I think um, that kind of stems a little bit from that. So I grew up in, in California, um, in, in Davis, California, in Northern California, uh, all 18 years there and, um, nice place to grow up home of UC Davis. Um, one of those places where like when you're growing up, you don't think of it as like a great place or a nice place to grow up. But then mm. when you go away, you maybe have a little bit more appreciation yeah. for it. You know, I wish they told you you're in your golden years while you're in your golden years. Right. Uh, <laughs> Andy Bernard quote, I think I butchered it, but, uh, so, okay. So you're in, uh, you're in Davis. Uh, I, I have no understanding uh, of that place whatsoever. If I were there now, what would be the thing like, oh, Nick, no, no, you're in Davis. This is what you have to do. Uh, you have to ride a bicycle. So before like bike riding was cool, it's like the bicycle capital of the United States or something like that. The 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 symbol or like the mascot is this big bicycle with like the really big wheel and then the little small wheel. But like we always had, you know, well, we didn't always have depending on where you were, but like, um, you know, we had bike lanes and everybody biked around everywhere. They still do. I imagine I've only been back a couple times, um, in the last 10 to 15 years because my family's moved away from there. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a bicycling town, a walking town, a college town. So uh, a nice place. I was reminiscing, uh, the other day with people about, you know, just going to the Arboretum there and the duck pond and feeding the ducks, but not realizing that you're actually not supposed to feed ducks, folks. Don't feed ducks bread. It's not good for their stomachs. <laughs> good, good to know. Um, now, I'm asking for a friend, totally. Uh, what if you didn't know how to ride a bike? What if you didn't know how to ride a bike? Yeah, just, just asking for a friend. Well, you want to know something? I am a firm believer that you should not feel bad, regardless of your age, about your ability to ride a bike or not. <laughs> if you, if you um, give me like 30 minutes, I think I can figure this out. I am athletic enough. Like I had it for a moment and then I uh, it just never continued and that's you know that's all right one day nick you live in new york city <laughs> where you can right. walk and you walk can everywhere subway yeah. i mean if i if i could i mean if i could like envision one major change there's actually a variety of different major changes i'd have but man if we had subway if we had if we had public transportation system that was effective think about how much 
Like when you are able to ride on public transportation on a regular basis, number one, you're like, you feel closer to people just because, oh, yeah. yeah I mean, you're like, you have to get into crowded subway trains and stuff like that, but you see people. You, it's, it's tangible. You there's, a tug, people. there's a, there's a grab and, yeah, and a tug from the city to, to say, hey, you, you can come here now. You should do this. This is what you should be doing constantly. Totally. It's amazing. Oh, totally. It's infectious you, here in the city. It is. And you see people from like all walks of life. Like yep. there, there are people who are sleeping. There are people who are reading books. There are people who are breakdancing. There are people who are, um, you know, having great conversations with people they've never met. Like, and of course, like with COVID, there's different things, but I'm talking pre-COVID at this point in time. And so it's just like, um, it's incredible. And I think for your well-being, for your mental well-being, it's ter- fantastic. For your physical health, it's fantastic because you're generally walking or finding different ways to get around and go through the public transportation. You talk about like climate and emissions and things like that. There's nothing more we could do to ha- to to limit that. Well, there are things that we could do more, but like in terms of public transportation, um, I I wish that we didn't have. I wish we had a much better transport sure. public transportation infrastructure. So so uh, so you said there were a couple of things that you would change. Now, one of them you said, like, I want better public transportation. But I got to ask, what what else is on that list? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> well, I, I wasn't really thinking about it like well, that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to to start the campaign for Toby for me. You're ready to start the campaign. Yeah. Well, I'm ready. I'm here um, for you. I, 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 I think there are a variety of different societal ills that we should that we should address um, in a variety of different ways. Mm. Um, I, well, I don't know if you're. If your listeners are are interested in progressive taxation or not, but um, uh, I see. We, well, okay. We, well, we'll going, I'm going to we'll say go this. I'm going. I'm going to say this. Um, when you do decide to become mayor, it's the very least that I can do to support you after naming a boring, ridiculously just mediocre pitcher after you. It, it's yeah. just not. It's not fair to you. I didn't know you at the time, Toby, and and the fact that. We mention it so often. Um, I just, you know, I can't help but feel a little bit of guilt. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie. Every time I'm, I'm listening to like a podcast or you're, you're doing something and, and you say the word Toby, like initially, like in my, in my soul, like it kind of leaps a little bit, you know, of like course, it's just yeah. like, oh, he's, maybe he's talking about me. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, in the context of mediocrity. Oh, wow. <laughs> This is terrific. Yeah, oh, let me get man. a shirt that just proclaims me a mediocre it's human Aaron being. It's Air Jordan with, in a suit, right? It, it's it's you know it's at least it's Air Jordan, and doesn't it say is. anything about mediocrity. It's just there. It exists. You can it can be whatever you want it to be, Toby. It, it can be. It can be. You're right. You want to know something? Toby Funderson was always my favorite character on the Office. I imagine he was. I thought he got such a hard time. <laughs> he was so. He was so deep and interesting, and and there was so much nuance. I wanted to read this uh, book to that, you know? to that role. Is, does, he have, does he have a book? Does oh, the actor he's writing have a book? books. He has like, oh yeah. Oh no, not 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 the actor. I mean, like the character Toby in the show has a whole it's like been a little while series. Since I it. Oh it, really? I want to read it. Oh yeah. And oh, it was just man. like, ah, oh, Toby. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That, that was a that was such a great show. And what's remarkable about it is it was like pre-GIF. You know. Oh yeah, it was pre-gif, yeah. and and the number of like top ten gifts that come out of that show is just unbelievable. Like, it, how did they true. know? Uh, I use that one all the time. Dwight Schrute going, yeah. "Oh, it's true. It's, 
It's true. Yeah. yeah uh, or, oh my God, it's happening. Like every time, you know, uh, Vlad Jr. gets a gets a base hit at the beginning <laughs> of the season, I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. Everybody, it's happening. <laughs> or um, uh, Bubba's favorite is like that, which I think is a great one. Um, the Michael Scott, just like the the wink. Actually, that's not from The Office. Somebody told me that. It's not from The Office. Is you know the right? winking one? Oh, yeah. It's not from The Office. It's from a movie that Steve Carell was in. He wasn't in any uh, movies. Get out of here. Just the office. When I learned that, I was like so disappointed because if you <laughs> literally go into um, if you go into Giphy and you just search mm-hmm. for Michael Scott, that's one of the ones that comes up. So yeah, it seems like just, exactly. I mean, the one that I, I you know, the him shouting no over and over again is just ingrained in my skull. Yeah, uh, forever. But anyway, I just want you know my deepest apologies, Toby. I, that's I, all right. I, I just I feel bad for Toby's everywhere. Um, but really it's the office's fault. It's not my fault. You know, for sure. This is just the, the uh, this goes all the way to Michael Schur and uh, it's, yeah. all, it's all him. So yeah. we can, we can, you, we know, that was an excellent job tremendous. of pushing the blame to somebody else. You know, I, I like to I like take to some responsibility <laughs> and accountability for your actions. I've got a whole like support group over here of Toby's <laughs> who are very, um, sad, Mm. Uh, about, I, about. Know, there, I, I was put through a lot of pressure to, to make it the, the Toby thing. Okay? Uh, okay. There were other names I was throwing around and you know, uh, the Toby crew didn't lobby enough. Uh, let's just get down to it. <laughs> let's, uh, you want, you want to play oh, that game? It's a matter here. of organizing. I, got, I have the receipts, Toby. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> emails then, from 2015. Then, then I, then I deserve it. Um, but all right. Every, so, every time you say that on a show, I hope you see this sad face, which I, nobody listening to the podcast can see. But it's a really sad face that I'm making right now. I feel like I'm going to find a sound clip from this that I'm going to put on the soundboard for the podcast. That's going to be like you saying, "How could you do this?" <laughs> and it, it's it's just I play that every single time a Toby is mentioned on it. Like I don't draft Tobys. How could you do this? That's yeah. It might uh, go. Maybe doing that would go like the slightest of. Yeah, that would be the slightest step forward of making us feel a little bit better. Okay. You know? All right. All right. I'm here for you. Uh, speaking of you, I want to hear about your, say, like high school to college. Uh, where did you go to college? What were you trying to do at that time? Because, again, y- yes, you were the mouth, but you were, you know, <laughs> That's when I was a young child. I learned to, <laughs> to rein it in a little bit. I- I'm proud. To, you know, I- I'm proud of you for that. I'm very happy Thank to you. hear. Uh, but you're right. So, so what were you thinking uh, for yourself uh, entering college? Well, you know, um, so in high school, I worked at Baskin Robbins for three years, which, that was, right? which was a highlight. Yeah. Um, I'm a big ice cream fan. If folks who yeah. follow my Twitter account know that I've moved a little bit out of the fantasy baseball space, more into the dessert space. Of course. Um, so and I worked Baskin there. Robbins but, always finds out. So they hired yeah. you. Yeah, they, they did. Um, they, I should be a spokesperson for them. <laughs> I'm going to tweet at them uh, after this podcast and let them know that. Uh, uh, Baskin Robin ice cream cakes are by far one of the greatest desserts ever created. Is that right? Um, and I, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you guys have like Carvel cakes on the East coast, like some just, man, get a Baskin Robbins ice cream cake. That's what I'm talking about for your birthday. Do yourself a favor for your birthday. Okay. And get a Baskin well, so, so Carvel is just that, that worse. Like so much. So yeah. Like Carvel cakes are kind of the Toby of the ice cream cake. <laughs> They're kind of the Toby of the ice cream cake. Pantheon, you know. Oh, well done. All right, yep. Is like, see, I, I understand. Know, what was it called? I get it. Goat is the de goat <laughs> of the of the. 
Ace is gonna ace with a with an ice cream. Ace is gonna ace. Ace yeah, is gonna yeah. ace. Is there a specific um, flavor that I should be going for? Um, well, you want to know something? I, it, the honest truth is that my favorite uh, ice cream cake that Baskin Robbins does actually doesn't have any cake in it. It's all ice cream and here. frosting. The frosting is the best part um, oh, of, of the, of the cake. So you can get a clown cone cake, which I have okay. gotten as, as recently as June when I had my birthday. <laughs> sure. um, and it's just ice cream with frosting on it and then uh, six clown cones in a pyramid at the top. Oh, and you nice. can choose the individual flavors of the count clown cones. I got a mint chocolate chip, which I know like I've been really disappointed by the um, dialogue that's been happening around mint chocolate chip recently. A lot of people have been comparing it to toothpaste. I don't know if you've seen this. No, but I understand it. <laughs> oh man, I'm so sorry, Toby. This, I'm this, just... this interview is over. <laughs> it's, um, it's not inter- it's it's a phone call. It's, it's, it's a conversation. It's a phone call, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a short phone call pretty soon if you don't watch your mint chocolate chip. Uh, so with, I mean, you know, it's it's. I like it's, mint chocolate cookie better. As yeah, well. okay. I, I mean, look, like, I like a, things with Oreos are fantastic. That. Thin mints are fantastic. Okay, we're yes. we're, get, we're making some progress here. Absolutely, um, we're finding some some common ground. <laughs> um, yeah, so mint chocolate chip. I had a Reese's peanut butter cup one uh, mm-hmm. a few months before that. So growing up, that's what we had for like all of our birthdays was was Baskin Robbins ice cream cake. So it's it's a long storied tradition in my in my family. Um, so in uh, in college, I went to Boston University. Um, so I grew up in Davis, flew across country. I had family that. Um, my dad was born in West Springfield, Mass., a lifetime Red Sox fan. So growing up, I would watch, um, well, the Red Sox games weren't on that often, right? Because we didn't have, like, we got we got a dish uh, pretty early on just so that my dad could watch Red Sox and Bruins right, and right, yeah. Patriots and, and Giants games and stuff ugh, like ugh, that. I'm shuddering right now as I uh, I know, it. man. Gosh, so many championships <laughs> recently. It's unbelievable. What a team to enjoy. <laughs> Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, so so it was really cool, though, because we, uh, if you've ever been to Boston University, it's right in uh, it's right in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like, you know, places like Boston College, which we call Newton College, you know, because it's actually not in Boston. Hey. You know what I'm saying? Well, right. I mean, I went to I went to Brandeis and Waltham, you did go to Brandeis. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Waltham. Yeah. Lovely, um, lovely Waltham. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I went to BU, and um, and which is the closest college, really. Well, there's a couple that are right nearby, but right near Fenway. So mm-hmm. could walk a walk a mile down the road and go to Fenway Park. And this was height of the Yankees Red Sox as well. I mean, you're talking like in the Manny Ramirez days, the Alex oh, Rodriguez, yeah. Jason Veritek, um, Derek okay, Lowe. Toby, like Toby I, I got to ask right now. I mean you must miss this rivalry, right? Like it's just, it's nothing oh, close to what it used to be. There, it's nothing close to it. And you know, like, um, so my fandom is, is a little interesting. So I grew up, um, I was a Cubs fan. The first team that I can remember really rooting for is the Cubs. Cause I got WGN. So I'd watch mm-hmm. Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson in the morning. And then, um, and then I got into the white Sox. Robin Ventura was my favorite player for, the majority of like my really strong fandom as a kid. So I was a big White Sox fan, moved with him to the Mets. I was just like a Robin Ventura fan. I don't even yeah. know why. <laughs> but um, and then when I moved to Boston, I kind of adopted the Red Sox as my as my team. I had always liked them because my dad, um, you know, uh, was a fan. And man, those games were unbelievable. Like so good. So good. Like you couldn't get tickets to them, you know, 
it was so hard. Like there was chance all throughout the game. I remember sitting in the bleachers in Fenway Park and Yankees fans would walk up the up the um, the aisles and they just get pelted by peanuts. Like literally I've, I saw people just covering their faces and dropping the food that they had because they were getting pelted with peanuts. There were fights all the time, which I would not encourage at all. I want to make sure I'm clear, not encouraging oh, violence. Right. Uh, you know, Yankee Yankees suck. Uh, Shots just like out of nowhere, right? Just like <laughs> you'd be at like a Bruins game, and that yeah, would happen. Right, right. You'd be like yep. just walking down the street, and people would start doing it. But it was just so, uh, it was so fantastic. Like the level of rivalry. I remember I was in the the student union when Aaron Boone hit that home run. So we were oh. watching on this big screen, and you know. Tim Wakefield, who I love, you know, who's who goes back in the day with the Red Sox, right? Um, you know, he's he throws that knuckler up there, and you know, boom, Boone hits that home run, and that was one of the worst, if not the worst, sports moment in my entire life. Like, I just remember, like, not being able to, like, I watched every game, did all that stuff, and just ah, um, and that just made uh, 2004 that much sweeter. Oh, man, you know, that was something else. That was something I, else. Like, I remember them being down 3-0 in that ALCS and and the, the stolen base off of Rivera and just mm-hmm. that Bill Miller, like, like all of it. And it was, um, it was just something. And it was interesting because it was almost like anticlimactic when they won it against um, the Cardinals because it was like, you know, when Renteria hit that, like, chopper, it was kind of like, it's like, oh. Like, you know, like it's not even like it hasn't been a close series. Like it was nothing like that Yankee yeah. series, you know, where every game was just so intense. Well, and there's well, so every, much every story really, you know, um, to hit the destination, there's always some guardian. There's always some uh, obstacle to overcome that isn't actually reaching the destination. It's more of something mm-hmm. before it. And then once you conquer that, then the actual challenge isn't truly the challenge anymore. Um, I mean, even in like just sports teams all the time, you see a hump you have to uh, get over um, before you can actually really be you know, excellent. And for the, obviously for the, the Red Sox, it was the Yankees. It was it was a sort of the hammer and the nail for so long, though. Right. Like, oh, it, it was it one side of rivalry. rivalry. Right. And, and that I mean, it was really fun and, and emotional, but it wasn't quite the back and forth that you wanted. Uh, and then, you know, it, did, it has switched and I wouldn't, you know, I mean, sure, the Yankees won in 2009, but then the Red Sox again in 2013 and uh, and in 18. But uh, it's... It, don't forget 2007 uh, as well. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I didn't forget it, Toby. It's okay, I, was, I was just making um, sure. I, yeah, I didn't yeah, hear I mean, that one mentioned. Yeah, before, so. you know, before 2004, there was 96 and, and 98 and 99 and 2000. But, you know, I wasn't even two. born that, Nick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you're already in college in 2003. Uh, <laughs> I'm a smart guy. <laughs> but, uh, but I guess what I'm getting at is, I mean, back then, they legitimately hated them, each other, right? Like, oh, the Yankees and the Red absolutely. Sox purely just absolute, you know, uh, the, just they detested each other. And now, I mean, on one side, I'm really happy about this because, yes, we should all treat each other better. This is what <laughs> it should be. You know, I'm really happy that the Red Sox and Yankees don't actively like 
are at each other's throats every single game and are throwing at each other and we don't brawl. You know, that's good. That's a good thing because, yeah, we don't need to. It's baseball. You know, let's be humans. At the same time, it's not nearly as entertaining. And that's, oh, I hate that. I hate so much how, like, baseball needs it. Baseball needs those rivalries so much. That's, like, unfortunately good entertainment. And uh, it it stinks that you can't have one without the other. Um, I mean, even if both teams were the two teams again, sure, there would be more of a rivalry, but they have to legitimately, like, someone has to be a villain in here to start that yeah. war again. You Somebody's got to be A-Rod punching people. and you know. Okay, Veritech did it with his mask on. Okay? All right. I mean... <laughs> Talk about an unlikable person. Jeez. Imagine, oh my imagine having to root for, for A-Rod. <laughs> no, you um, said you were the one that was going to turn down this, this phone call, but uh, <laughs> I, might, I might have to end it soon. Um, but anyway, okay, so here you are, right? You're yeah. in uh, you're at Boston College. Sorry, I'm just, just joking. That was oh, a joke. Wow. That, was, that wasn't serious at all. Yeah. Straight through the heart. That, that's what you get for, for talking so ill of A-Rod. And... Um, not to say that I am the big... Okay, I'm going to just stop that conversation. Boston University, what are you studying? So I I think I started out as a history major. I started out as a history major, and I took one, I took one history class. It was, I think, medieval uh, Europe. And I was like, ah, I don't know if this is for me. Right. Uh, and so then I kind of dabbled a little bit. I did. I waited as long as I could to declare a major. I think you had to declare it at the end of your sophomore year. Um, Mm -hmm. I did history initially. Then I thought maybe I wanted to do anthropology. So I did anthropology 101. I I wasn't that into that class. Then I did psych 101. I wasn't that into that class. And then I I realized that one thing that I liked to do was to write uh, and clearly to talk. And so I ended up doing it was an I was an English major. Um, So I did uh, an English major. And what I learned was it wasn't necessarily that I didn't like those subjects that I had learned before, but I was doing introductory classes of them. And anytime you're doing like the introductory class, you know, it's just, you just don't get to the level of depth as we talked about before that you need to, to really, for me at least to become passionate or to feel energized or engaged um, in something. Um, And so that's what kind of happened with English. So it was kind of English by default and I, I did English and I really, I really actually, I really enjoyed that. And I, I enjoyed just writing. And I think it's a real skill. I think people will often be critical of, you know, people who get like a not like a English major or history major or sociology or whatever, liberal arts major is that what those are called these days. Um, whatever it is, you know, but I think like the ability to take like a poem or to take a small bit of writing and to be able to an- analyze that and turn it into a, a five page page essay or a 10 page essay, right. To create, you know, 10 pages of absolute bull crap out of that, you know, that's a skill, right. That it's you emotion. Use. It's expression. It's, it's I mean, understanding the, the, uh, the human consciousness, Toby. It is. All right. And, and I'm, I'm only partially joking about that. Like the analysis is real, right? The analysis is real, but I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like the ability to be able to do that, to be able to go deep and to do that kind of uh, like rigorous, for lack of a better right, term, yeah. analysis is that a really important so skill to have. It does. It applies to so many different things. And also, like you also have to realize it's not like they were like, okay, right. You know, at least at my school, right. 
write however long of an essay you want to on this poem, right? They said write 10 pages. So also like the ability to have to kind of, um, to learn how to like, how to make more of smaller things. Like, honestly, if I were to, if I were to give anybody any advice, which I would never do, um, like when you're going through like an interview or a resume process or a hiring process, like honestly, like that's what our current hiring process is and things like that do. They, they reward people who can kind of present that or know how to talk about things in a particular way. Um, as opposed to actually looking at like the skills that somebody might have or, or the actual work that they've done. And I feel like my English degree prepared me to do that in a way and to do the type of analysis that I think is really important, like that I would do later on in my life. Oh yeah, definitely. I, so, so being an English major, typically the path from there is some sort of, uh, teaching career or you, you go get a master's, uh, something along those lines. You, so there you are, you graduated. Uh, what's next for Toby? What's next for me? I worked at a, a company called, um, EF foundation, um, for foreign study, which was, um, it was it's a, actually a Swedish company, uh, based in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts that does, um, uh, my particular like quote unquote product that I worked on was called foundation. And we would have high school students from across the world would come and stay with host families in, um, in the United States. And, uh, my role was like, I was kind of like a counselor. So I would counsel, uh, exchange students and host families, like on expectations and things like that. Um, and so that was actually nice. It was nice. It was like a very uh, young company at the time, at least, and where I worked. And so there was a lot of like kind of young people, a lot of energy, um, a lot of fun. So I did that. Uh, and then I ended up uh, following that traditional path to, to graduate school um, after doing that for a couple of years. So, so graduate school, and I assume then you're a teacher now. No, I, so I went to uh, graduate school for social work. Oh, great. Um, so I have a master's of social work. Oh, um, and yeah, and it's funny because like I... I didn't really like I knew what social work was, but like I had never thought of it as necessarily like a career that you could that you could pursue necessarily. Like there was a lot of things that I I just like didn't learn. I was just kind of like existing and kind of going through things. But um, and I had a really good friend that I that I respected a lot who went and got his MSW. And he was I think he was in school at the time that I applied. And I was thinking about doing like family therapy, like, you know, okay, like being able to help people. Um, uh, and, and you said you didn't like Psych 101. Get out of here. Well, so here's what happened. So I show up to, to social work school. And one of the classes I took my first semester was um, public policy. And, and I absolutely loved it. And so I wrote my first paper. Um, and the teacher was like, hey, have you thought about doing this? And I was like, what do you mean have I thought about doing this? And they're like, have you thought about um, like doing public policy? Or, and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what, is that, what, is it, what does that even mean or what do you do? I mean, I think I had like a general concept, but like nobody tells you like, oh, if, you're, if you want to do something, you know, that, um, you know, if you want to advocate for things that you believe in, you can actually do that as a profession. Right. Like you can do that for your work. Like nobody had really said that. Like I'd always, you know, I'd go to protests or go to marches or do things like that, you know, but never really knowing, knowing uh, about that realm. And so I talked to the teacher a little bit. And so I switched my 
my my concentration from clinical, which is like what people generally think of an MSW as like a therapist, right, um, yeah. to mac to macro, which is more focused on public policy, organizing, program planning, and development. And so I made that switch, and that's kind of what I pursued in in graduate school. I think social work school is, um, I mean, there's there's some things that are inherently problematic about it, but one of the things that I enjoyed is they have an internship component. So there's a very there's a focus on practical application of the work that you're doing. And my first one that I did was actually, I did play therapy at a local, at like a local childcare center. And I, that was just great. Well, yeah, but it's, it's absolutely devastating work and kudos to folks who do that work. And, um, you know, I just, it was, uh, seeing the situation that some kids are put in, it's just, um, you know, and their families are put in, honestly, like, it's not just about, you know, the kids and what's happening to them. It's part of a, systemic and, and societal issues that are broader issues that are at play. But that was kind of heartbreaking. And I realized like in that role, you know, that uh, there's a lot I could do there, but I really wanted to be focused on how do I make changes at, at, at the policy level, at the systems level. And so my second one, um, uh, my second internship was, um, uh, was doing, um, uh, I was at the uh, Massachusetts Immigrant and Refugee Advocacy Coalition. So I did um, some policy and program planning work there uh, for my second year. And that's kind of what started me off in, in kind of the direction that my early career would have taken me. Um, Non-fantasy baseball career. I don't know if you could call my fantasy baseball career a career. Um, well, okay. Certainly. I mean, you're in the industry. It's a career. I am in an industry. Uh, but it's, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people listening right now have no idea about any of this. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's incredible to me, um, what you're doing, uh, and, and absolute, you know, hats off to you for, for I don't do that anymore though. Not, you don't anymore. Well, I mean, nevertheless you did and you obviously made an impact doing it. Uh, all right, well let's, let's keep going on this journey. Where are we at now, Toby? Uh, then, then, so I was in Massachusetts at the time in Boston. Um, and then from there, uh, my, I met my wife, um, then my now wife, uh, then, um, uh, through school of social work. She was a year behind me in at the school of social work. And we're both from the West coast. We're both from California. She actually grew up about an hour, 45 minutes away from where I grew up. We didn't know each other going over, but we met each other in, in, uh, in Boston because people who are from, uh, the West coast and from California are so cool. We're like naturally drawn to each other. Uh, By the you way, know, just like. You had to say like, oh, uh, she was only an hour and forty five minutes away from me. I'm thinking like, what? She's in Jersey? Like, it's, yeah, it's so it's so far away. <laughs> yeah, well, forty five minutes to an hour away. Oh, to but an yeah. hour still. I mean, still, in California, that's nothing. That's like being oh, absolutely four neighbors. Not. You know, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, from there, so I, so we were interested in moving back to the West Coast, but we weren't really sure where. At the time, I had a little. I didn't really want to be in California. Like I didn't like the commuting culture. I didn't like, I didn't want to be a part of that really. And that's mm-hmm. when you live in the cities, which is generally where we were looking, you know, that's kind of, it's hard to, it's hard to avoid that. Um, at least not, not, not being too expensive. So we ended up, um, I ended up getting a job in Seattle doing the same work. Um, I was, uh, I started out as a policy associate and ended up as kind of the advocacy and political director for, um, a, a nonprofit organization in Seattle, based in Seattle, but that worked across Washington State on, on immigrant rights uh, work um, called One America. And so I worked there for eight years or so, uh, lived in Seattle for seven and a half, uh, really, really enjoyed that. Uh, moved down to Olympia, Washington, um, 
for two years um, just to kind of get out of the city. We had two kids at that point, um, or we, we were pregnant with the second second kiddo. So we wanted to, a little bit more space, um, which we definitely couldn't afford in Seattle. So moved to Olympia. We're there a couple years, and then we weren't really close to any family. My family now lives up in Alaska, and oh, wow. um, my wife's family isn't down in, in, in California, in Northern California. So we ended up moving to... Um, uh, to Northern California, a place called uh, Grass Valley, Grass Valley slash Nevada City. And that is, um, that's where we are right now. So we've been Ooh. here for like three years. Um, and yeah. And what is your official job title now? Uh, I do health education um, in a local health department. Um, so Wonderful. doing, yeah, suicide prevention, alcohol and other drug use prevention, like primary prevention, working primarily with youth and um uh, and then for this last year and a half, a lot of COVID-19 related stuff. Well, of course. Yeah. Oh, man. What? Wow. Toby. What? what this has nothing to do with fantasy baseball, though, or no, baseball. That's, that's the whole podcast, Toby. We never talk about the you know, Vlad Guerrero's expected stats. We don't we don't do that here. <laughs> it's about understanding you that there's so much more to you than, you know, talking about NFBC and 15 teamers and, and drafts and pocket aces and all that kind of stuff, which. I got to say there, there are certain times in my life where I, I hear something clever and I'm just angry because I'm upset. I didn't think of it. And <laughs> well, you want to know something? I'll trade you pocket aces for Toby. All right. <laughs> I will never take pocket aces. I will never. It's not my style, Toby. I don't do that. I, I the, the biggest I did was I went after DeGrom yeah. in the first once, twice. I was like, okay, you, you I'll wait do for that. It. You wait for it. But a I'll lot of it is it. also contest dependent, you know, like very true, you know, and, and I think that's always the, the nuance, right. That's so hard to include is like with pocket aces. I generally am playing NFBC. There are overall right, yeah. contests. So it's not like you can, um, it's very hard to, to stream your way to exactly. You know, and also the, you have to rely a lot more on, um, I mean, like for example, <laughs> we're not going to do it much, but just very quickly. Yeah. Like, you're, it's a different competition entirely. Um, that's, I totally understand the whole pocket men, ace mentality. And I'm very happy it's worked well for you, uh, which is just fantastic. Uh, now, I did remember, um, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, you have played a game of poker or two. You know, I, I, um, I have played some poker, but not a, not a lot. Okay. I probably, um, I mean, I used to, when, when poker got really fun, you know, or like when it first came out, yeah, it was people have never before Chris Moneymaker <laughs> won the world series of poker. It didn't exist, man. It didn't exist. No, but, but, um, <laughs> what I mean is I was in college when, uh, Chris Moneymaker won the world series of poker right. and it wasn't that he won it, but I think that might've been the first time that ESPN, I yeah, think it was the whole world series it. of poker thing that was actually televised. Yeah, exactly. And so it was just like, I mean, it was so fun oh, and yeah. I, we would have, um, uh, uh, what was MNPC, the Monday night poker circuit, me and my uh, group of friends, you know, just, uh, we would have the Monday night poker circuit. So every Monday night we would play poker in college, like senior year of college, um, you know, and we'd like keep standings and all that jazz. So I had played uh, a little like through that and like in friendly games, I've been to the con- casinos like a handful of times to lose my money to players who are a lot better. But however, the crowning achievement of my poker playing career was winning the inaugural pitch con Friday night <laughs> poker tournament. Oh, that's that, right. You did. That was, um, did. that was special. 
yeah. that was special. I mean, that you deserved special. it. You, you you played a great game. I did. I played. I played. Um, I played some fantastic poker that night. It, I still it, remember it. Is, it. So, I mean, uh, if you guys don't know, um, at first pitch Arizona, uh, there, there's poker and I felt with PitchCon going, sorry, with COVID going on, I bring on PitchCon was an idea of still having that spirit because I mean, you know, going to Arizona is just one of the greatest times ever and seeing everybody from the community, I feel like we needed that. So part of that is the poker night and that's, that was a great time. Had it again this year. I, I was I was less successful this year, so I would <laughs> I would rather not talk about it. You know, it's it's kind of funny. I, I just like yeah, the whole Chris Moneymaker thing took over my uh, my high school. I was I want to say a a sophomore or so when that hit, um, and yeah, I, I got so into it. I mean, we would have Friday night games. We would uh, my friends got the clay chips, you know, and everything. I'm like, oh, we're okay. We got this. We hosted tournaments, all that stuff. Legit. It was it was great. I won twice in the first four, and all of a sudden I, I didn't ha- I didn't win again after that. But it didn't matter. I didn't need to, you know. And I I remember going into college. I had um, uh, you know, every Thursday night we had games. Everything there at the poker club there. Now here's the thing: I was friends with the people who ran the poker club, and they had uh, cases of Brandeis chips with their sigil on it. And it was I mean these were. They had, they had like four cases with these and they were nice. Wow. And my senior year, uh, they were disbanding the club for whatever reason. No one stepped up to take over. So they were giving away the cases and I got one. And wow. so I actually have Brandeis <laughs> chips under my bed right now that just aren't used nearly enough for what they Man. are. You got to change that in person. I know. You should bring them to First Pitch Arizona this year. Oh, yeah, because I could bring them totally to First my, Pitch. My suitcase could totally handle that. And, you should uh, just walk around the airport with that, like, metal. Just, just hold on. Like, I got to have a handcuff this year. also and uh, handcuff to my own. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. For sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I understand the appeal of it a lot. Like, it's, it's incredibly fun. And there is a massive, you know, a lot of people want to say it's luck based. And of course there is, but it's always calculated risks and, oh. and it's much more than just the cards. It's, there's so much psychology. It's why I love pitching a lot is there's so much of a battle and you have to read the batter and what you're capable of and what your odds versus their ability and so on. There's a lot to it. It's so much fun. I, but yeah, I just haven't, I haven't really done it in like a decade. You know, yeah. So I, I remember it's hard. It's hard to find time. You know, Yo, yeah, it is. I, and you need a good crew too. You need like the you right do. group of people, like a good six or so, something like that. Maybe five, six. That you're like, all right, we're, this is what we do right now. We're hanging out. We're playing poker or something like that. Uh, and yeah, in Arizona, like jumping in for a hand or like trying to play that thing, I just felt. I mean, I knew what I was doing. I had, like, I was trying to remember all of the things that I had used to do and stuff. And, right, they don't know any of this stuff that I, like, my friends were like, okay, cool, you're doing that thing. And I'm like, yeah, I am, yeah, shut up. And, but they didn't know. And I'm like, oh, what was all of it? And I just, I forgot all of it. <laughs> I was terrible. I was so bad, Toby. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's okay. Like, over life, there's so many times you have these massive interests that just fade away. And I'm all right accepting that poker is just not not what it used to be for me. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a nice activity. I think for like every once in a while, you know, like it's right. really fun. It is, it is like you mentioned, like you need, you need that, that crew, right? Like, I mean, you can go to the casino and do that or whatever, whenever you have a chance to do that. But like, um, 
but like when, yeah, when you're playing with your friends, when you're having like a friendly game, when you're having a fun game, it's more pride than anything else that's kind of out there. And, and, um, you know, that's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I miss those. I miss those days. It's a perfect like college activity, you know, or Absolutely. like a young, a young person activity where you're, you're in a centralized location with everybody, you know, uh, which is, which is really nice. Yeah. The worst was when it would be heads up for like an hour long and it's just like, Oh my God, we got yeah. to go to bed, man. This is, we got yeah. just, I'm, I'm, like I'm terrible to play heads up. Cause I'm like super conservative. I, I just make deals. I'm just like, just, I'm like fold, fold. Yep. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just make a deal. Be like, Hey, so, all right. So 80, 20, like, look at the stacks. Right now. Come on. It's just 80, 20. Okay, good. All right. 75, <laughs> 25, this one hand different terms, whatever it is, just make a deal, save your time and move on in life. It's not fun. Um, I'm just, I'm just like, raise the blinds quicker. <laughs> Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe we should just do that. Uh, but anyway, so, okay. So when it comes to hobbies outside of fantasy baseball and obviously your, your work, you have two kids as well. Do you find time to, uh, yeah, there's certain things that you make time for these days. Uh, eating dessert is, is yeah. a major, <laughs> is a major hobby of mine. No. Um, honestly, I like, I don't have a ton of hobbies outside of it. I mean, just like your typical stuff, like reading, reading is actually something that, um, and I, and I, I shout out to a friend of the pod, Yancey Eaton, mm. um, you know, a terrific, terrific pod. human being. Um, Absolutely. he, um, he got me into reading again, like, uh, last year at some point in time, I can't remember we were, we were texting or something like that. And he asked me what I was reading. I was like, oh, I haven't like really read in a couple of years, just haven't been that into it. And he was like, he's a pretty, he's a big reader. So he was talking yep. about some of the stuff he was reading. I was like, you know, I probably should read and he recommended um guns germs and steel um and i read that it's just a it's kind of a book about how um civilization as a whole has developed and why we have kind of the disparities that exist now um and it was really interesting so i read that and that just kind of got me started and i've been reading uh, a lot ever since pretty much like continuously since he got me reading again so shout out to yancey for that and i've i've begun to enjoy that more and more as I need like a little bit of a breather from fantasy baseball. Like it's kind of all consuming at some points. Like I've got, oh, yes. you know, I've got the two yeah. kids, I got my job, I got, um, uh, um, my wife and like spending time with everybody is really important at the same time. Like I have like, you know, you know, 12 fantasy baseball leagues that are all like actually 25 fantasy baseball leagues, 12 of which have fab. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't a great idea. So I just do things really late on Saturday night is when I like from 10 to like two or three in the morning um, is when I really focus in on like fab and like managing teams and doing research and stuff like that. But that, that is not, uh, I don't know how some people do that. Like regularly, I, I cannot I do that regularly. So I gotta, I gotta cut back significantly. It, it, it's moving the worst forward. part. It's the worst part about, um, I, I, this is not a flex. I promise you it's not. I, like you know, tout and labor and TGFBI and stuff. It's like it, they are weekly le- leagues, right? I and I have to spend time on Sundays to do those. And I am, I try as much as I can Monday through Friday. That is like okay, focus on all your baseball stuff, and then as much as possible make it so the weekends are free. I need this separation. I need to be able to you know, there's so much in life to enjoy and do and it's healthy to, to not be so unbelievably focused on just one thing. And as obviously I am hyper-focused and not even just one thing, one specific thing inside that one thing that is starting pitchers, but it's, uh, I try to remove myself and I still have to do the article in the morning, two of them, the, the, 
the, the roundup and of course the streamers. So even like adding that extra fab on Sundays is just, ah, it, it's so hard for me. So yeah, that that's, that's tough that you, you know, you having that many leagues that you're in, uh, and yeah. Saturday night from 10 to two, my God, that's, that's, that's rough. I mean, I signed myself up for it, you know, and sure. like, uh, I'm, I'm very, uh, thankful that my, my wife is super understanding about it and very supportive of, of, of me doing this fantasy baseball stuff because she knows how passionate I am about it. And, um, yeah, so it's like, I got myself in it and I love it. And I think about like, okay, which leagues am I going to cut back on, you know? And there's only like a couple of them because right. there's a, yeah, there's like a ton of leagues and you want to do well in them. And, um, you know, it sounds, it sounds like kind of crass, but I've also been fortunate enough to be successful in the leagues to the point where like, I can actually, you know, um, I can actually make a little bit off of them. And so, right. um, you know, and that's, it's nice to be it's able to do than, that with a hobby, right? Where it's you more than you good can, fortune, Toby, come on, let's, uh, let's, let's be honest. Well, we'll, we'll, well see this obviously year, this year may, 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 may get things going <laughs> in other directions. So we'll see. But, um, now going back to books here. So, uh, now that you've gotten really into it, um, you know, what, what is a great read that you'd recommend to people say for the, obviously the, uh, the one that you mentioned? Um, so, um, some really good books that I have read, uh, recently that kind of stand out in my mind. Um, uh, I read, um, and like kind of, uh, I read a lot of, um, some of them are like nonfiction books, mm-hmm. um, which are maybe, um, a little bit more heavy, but, um, I read, uh, Isabella Wilkerson. Um, she wrote cat, uh, cast is a new one that she wrote. Um, and she also wrote, wrote, um, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on it? It's one of the better books I've read in the last few years. Um, it really wasn't that great, Toby. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Why am we I? You can do this. It has the word sons in it. It has the word sons in it. I can't believe I'm. Sorry, right. you can Google it. That's all right. Well, I, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to edit this. I'm, I'm going to. You shouldn't so, edit this. I hope, um, I hope you guys should understand oh the the, the fear and anxiety in Toby's eyes right now. The warmth okay. of other suns. I cannot it believe it. The warmth of other suns, which was yeah. really good. So, like in terms of um, nonfiction books, those were great um, uh, books. So, so, and, so what is uh, what is the warmth of other suns? So, the warmth of other suns is a book about the Great Migration. Um, of black Americans from the South into Northern and Western cities. Um, And it's just fascinating because it's the largest movement of people um, in the nation's history. Hmm. And, and nobody, you know, it's not a part of our history books. It's not a part of anything that we learn about. And so it was just really, uh, it was really important to, to me just in understanding kind of, I think we always think about like the civil rights movement and things and, and things in like, you know, I, I shouldn't say we always do. Right. Like talking about like white people generally and like our history, we think of uh, we think of like, oh, civil rights movement happened, you know, and then everything was better. But then you think about like uh, or the end of slavery happened and everything was better. And then just learning about Jim Crow and learning about that more intensively, because right, we probably got a chapter of that in some book in, in high school. Um, at least I did, I should say again. Um, but just like that was just really, um, I think just the level of, of history and movement and understanding what happened there and what was, 
that it still continues to happen, right? Um, yeah. Was, yeah. Um, was something that was super important. But I read that one actually a few years ago, but she has a new book called Cast, um, which, um, which I read recently, which is really good. Um, and which is just essentially uh, talking about the United States as having a, a caste system. And actually a lot of the caste systems that have developed in recent history looked at the United States as a model, um, you know, for a caste system. Wow. And so it was a, it's a really good book. I would highly recommend it um, for people. Um, um, some other ones that I've read that were, re- that were just like really good, like quick reads was um, uh, I'm going to of course forget the name of all of them <laughs> uh, was um, uh, where the crawdad sings, uh, which, which was like, it was one of the books of the year, I think like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really good. I read Wild by Cheryl Strayed um, was a recent one that I read that I really enjoyed just in terms of like a book that I, um, that I, that like went really quickly, you know, cause that's actually like part of like the enjoyment is like, sometimes you just want a book that like you're really into. Um, and so um, yeah, there's, there's been a few of them. I'm trying to rack my brain. There's been a lot of good ones, but I would highly recommend I like I really, I think it takes practice to, to get into reading. Like, I think it literally like with the way my brain works, like I started reading and you're like reading it and then you're like, okay, how long until I finish this book? I mean, this is probably like for some of the nonfiction ones, like right. Guns, Germs and Steel. And there's other ones, but now I feel like where we're at. And then it was kind of like that process, but now I'm where, where I'm just like, I love consuming this stuff. I love being able to, um, see the world from a different perspective. I feel like I've grown uh, stagnant and stale in some respects. Um, and so just being, just having a different um, perspective, whether it's of the person who's writing or just of, you know, having a book that takes place in a different culture or a different country, you know, all of those things I think are, are really nice. And they kind of get me out of this. Like for me, fantasy baseball is a very, um, it's like a very, analytical thing and like an all encompassing thing where I'm like so focused on it. And then to be able to take my mind outside of that and to be able to um, just kind of enjoy that and to read and to feel like I'm getting smarter and not kind of in a rut. um, You know, that has been, that has been super helpful. So that's one of the kind of, I don't know if it's a hobby, but I do that every night before I go to sleep. It also helps you go to sleep more. Oh yeah. um, This is better. So I was reading a decent amount during the quarantine more or at least in the off season because my, my sleep habits, I could go to sleep whenever I wanted. And so I would sure, cool. I'll make sure I have at least 30 minutes beforehand that I'm going to read. I can't now um, because I'm, I'm up until 1am writing the roundup. Then I have to be up around eight or so to start streaming. And I'm like, I need every ounce of sleep I can get. Totally. Uh, And I'm just, I'm, I'm set about it. So I'm trying to force myself to, to do more reading. And I, one, one thing I read, I, I don't even want to call it reading because it's a very like, this is the, this is the easiest, you know, quickest read you'll ever have. Um, it's, a, it's a book called Rhinoceros Success that I think uh, one of our staffers recommended to me. Um, it, it's, 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 it's interesting. I'm reading it thinking like, what is this? And just saying, okay, like I, I understand and it won't stick with me whatsoever. And I just keep thinking about it now and I'm absolutely shocked. And really the whole method message of that book is, um, 
Well, I mean, I like to imagine myself, and this is not for everybody at all, but I think anybody that has interacted with me with PitcherList or just kind of the way I go about things, and it's a very much of an entrepreneurial mindset of like, I love creating things. I love the idea of this thing doesn't exist and, oh, it would be really fun to make this thing that would exist and that would just be a really good time and then we can do more things and constantly build on top of that, right? That's just how I work. That's my joy. Um, and, uh, you know, from music in the beginning to, so obviously now, you know, talking about baseball and now, you know, more stuff on top of that now, it's, uh, that's just how I work. So they, uh, the, the author, Scott Alexander, is calling those kind of people rhinoceri, right? Or rhinoceroses, I guess. I guess that's the one. I don't know. You great, are a rhinoceros. Great animals. <laughs> um, and they are essentially, the, if there's, you can sum up this book in three words, it's rhinoceroses are charging. Everything they do, they charge forward. They wake up in the beginning of the day and they're excited to wake up and they charge forward. They, um, you know, they have thick skin because as they're charging forward, things are going to try to slow them down and they'll constantly keep charging forward. Uh, and they are not a cow who is happy grazing and just enjoying the day. The, the rhinoceroses have to keep moving and they have to keep going. And there's nothing inherently wrong being a cow or a rhinoceros. Whatever makes you happy is what matters. But those who are rhinoceroses need to keep charging. And that's really the whole book. <laughs> I mean, I'm so that sorry was, for those was, who are thinking you about should do that. For, you should do like a, a Goodreads <laughs> review where you're like, hey, if you want to read this book, this is essentially what happens. It, uh, it, rhinoceros, we're charging. Uh, not, not a cow. Like the first words, you know, like, it's, I'm not even joking. Uh, and I, I have said this a lot. Like, this is why I'm in New York City is I, I, I need to feed this, uh, feel the energy of it. I absolutely adore big country, you know, going out there and just you feel alive in the sense of peace and at one with it. Right. It's just it's it's a weird sense of you feel alive, but you also feel content and you don't feel as if you need to go off and be purposeful. Like you have it there. Uh, and I love it and I adore it. And I everybody that, that tells me about it, I just feel like, oh, right. I could live that life. I could be what I would do. I get it so well. But then. I'm not here and here it's just this constant, you know, pushing forward and a, a, I need that energy to be like, right, cool. What's this thing going to be? What's that kind of thing going to be? Um, and that's for me and it's not for everybody at all. And it's quite all right. But yeah, this book did a good job for me to really just like, I'm a rhinoceros. I'm waking up in the morning. Literally, I've woken up multiple times now, Toby, and thought to myself, oh, I can go sleep. No, I'm a rhinoceros. And I'm like, I get out of bed, you know? And that's sometimes all that you need is just literally that first push to get over whatever your body is saying to say, oh, but I want to keep getting the dopamine of laying in bed right now. You know, you just need that voice that says, keep charging, you know? Man. Sometimes we need that. So I'm shocked at how much this I I think I need that. I think I need that. (laughs) I'd, I'd consider myself in the morning like um, a sloth. Is that is that? Oh, is yeah. That? I'm just that. like, just like I'm laying in bed. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> laying in bed. It's, it's nice. So wonderful. Sleeping it's so is great. sleeping is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 again, this is not for everybody. He's also, you know, he's saying like you need to relax a rhinoceros. And they have a photo or a dress or a drawing of a photo in a uh, of a rhinoceros in a hot tub. You know, like sometimes you need to do this right now. So I need to be strong and, and have their energy so that they can spend it the right way, you know, and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, a, a sluggish, it's a very elaborate metaphor. It, they just essentially what happens. He had this fun idea. I think he was actually like 23 when he wrote it. Uh, Scott Alexander, like 20 years ago. It's impressive. Uh, 
And uh, it was just like, yeah, here's an idea. I'm just going to write 100 pages on this. Uh, and there's not even that. It's a quick 100 pages. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. For whatever reason, that's the book I wanted to bring up during this. But it, it just some, some just stick with you in that way. Yeah. Uh, and that certainly has. Um, so, so we're getting close to the end here. And there's a question I ask everybody. Um, and I know that you, you have your sign off. And I, I, wanna, I want something more than that. And when I ask you, what is your mantra that you like to live by? Oh, I don't really have a mantra, Nick, that I live Come by. Come on, Toby. Um, I don't really have a, a mantra that I that I live by. Um, if you think about it, I know there is something. The world is too way. complex for, for a single mantra. <laughs> that would be so, my mantra. Well, I have five, so if that helps. Okay, yeah. you have five. You don't need to have, you, yeah, you don't need to have one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I don't know. I don't know if I have a mantra. Um, you know, there's one of my, uh, when I was growing up, uh, one of the books that I read, there's these Finnish, uh, adventures, um, called Moomin Troll books. And I grew up like reading them and my, my mom's really into them. And, uh, one of the characters is, the, is this character named Snufkin and he's this great character. We named a cat after him. Um, he's just this great character and he, he doesn't own anything. You know, he just kind of like wanders along and he has a, he has a, a harmonica that he plays and he just plays music as it comes to him. And he's just kind of like this, like free spirit. But um, he's got this, he's got this, uh, he, he has a quote that he says, and I'm just paraphrasing here, but it's essentially like, um, you know, when I travel, I don't bring a suitcase. It's because it's much easier because um, then when I, wherever I go, like, well, it's terrible. I'm, 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 I'm butchering <laughs> it, but essentially like, like um, a less of a focus on, on things and more of like, kind of like what you were saying before, it's the journey, not necessarily the destination or the things that you have along the way, maybe. Mm. Um, God, I'm going to have to look up that quote now. <laughs> um, uh, I, I will look it up. Um, Snufkin suitcase is what I'm going to look up here. So sure. for, for what, what uh, and then I think generally speaking, like, you know, one thing that's really important to me is perspective and kind of understanding, like, I don't know, think something that's always been really helpful for me. And I think my dad provided this to me was like just this, this, um, uh, you know, just maybe it's important to have perspective in terms of like your life and what's happening to you and, um, to understand that there are, there are, um, there's always things that are worse that are happening to other people and kind of always contextualizing your own struggle while not minimizing them. Also being kind of cognizant of, um, of that, um, I think is something that's important, you know, and and I'll, one thing I'll say about my sign off is like, uh, take care and be kind to one another. You know, I think that that's fine, but in certain points, I also, that's not sufficient, right? Like the idea of kindness. I mean, there's a difference between being nice and being kind, right? And so I think kindness as a, as a whole is important, but I also think that, that it's sometimes easier in certain positions to be kind, right? Or to have expectations of kindness or niceties. And so I actually struggled with that a little bit um, when I was doing it, because it was kind of like meant to be this kind of you know, friendly thing, right? Because that's, yeah. that's how I, how I, how I want people to look at the work that's being created, but also like, you can't like, it's the same thing of expecting everybody to kind of be the same person or to have the same emotions or, um, you know, and, and the fact that we all come from different perspectives and different places. 
um, and wanting to like uh, not only understand, but also appreciate that and be cognizant of it and be aware of it um, and how that is so important to just having basic respect for people. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's, those are some fundamental things, um, you know, that I kind of think about. These are great. These are, these are wonderful. I mean, you know, we can maybe find the the exact short. I've got the quote. I've got the quote here. I got the quote here. So Snufkin, he says, uh, but that's how it is when you start wanting to have things. Now I just look at them. And when I go away, I carry them in my head. Then my hands are always free because I don't have to carry a suitcase. So I just like that idea of like, you know, and again, and I, and, and like, you know, I'm like a consumer, like all of us. Right. And I want things and I want to have things, but trying to maintain, um, you know, the, the perspective of, you know, focusing maybe on those experiences and those feelings and, that being more important than necessarily chasing or, or going after um, things. And that those can be concrete things that you buy. They can be, you know, aspirations that we have, but um, just trying to, um, I don't know, I guess it's another way of talking about perspective a little bit. Sure. Um, by the way, that, that quote, all I can think of is, is Frank Zappa talking about why communism would never work because people like having stuff. Uh, and, and he's just like the people like people like having things um and you know maybe there is something to that where uh why do we like having things and you know are we is there something about not having things that can actually make us freer which is very interesting i mean i think you said it before maybe it was this is a podcast for minimalism yeah well right minimalism exactly not a minimalist sorry well (laughs) well you were saying before that you don't you know you don't have as many things um and i certainly try as much as I can to simplify in that way. Just like in a fantasy baseball trade, you want to consolidate talent, right? You want to, uh, you know, have focus and the, the more, the, the less clutter you have, I, uh, the more you're able to, you know, do more essentially by, by, by focusing on, you know, the things that matter. So uh, I, I think I just said like the three, same thing about three different ways in about one sentence, which is pretty good. I think that's my new mantra. Say the same thing three different ways in hey, one sentence. Reinforce, <laughs> reinforce, reinforce. Yeah. It's like um, an essay. Tell them what you're going to say, say it, and then tell them that you told them. Yeah. Well, and I think like, I mean, one of the things is I have, I have a lot of things just as an admission at the end of the podcast, like in terms of the world, I'm in the top 1% of people having like things oh, and right. possessions. Well, yeah. So the beauty of mantras is that we are allowed to, um, uh, to, to help them guide us, but we also, uh, cannot follow them too. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so mine very, very quickly, I'm going to breeze through them is know yeah. your audience, everything in moderation. There are always exceptions, steps, not leaps and don't suck. Uh, I think that last one is, is just say, hey, come on, just, I'm not, I'm not going to ask everybody to, to be, you know, share the same thought, right. As you're kind of suggesting, it's like, we can't, we can't ask that, uh, have the same emotion. That's not say, but just don't suck. Like, don't, you know, you know, inherently what that means. So don't do it. <laughs> don't be that person. Uh, and don't be blind to don't actively turn the blind eye. Right. Uh, just don't suck. That's it. <laughs> Which is incredibly hard for some and for understandable reasons and easier for others. Uh, but then, you know, I try as much as I can not to. Um, and that's, that's, that's why it's one of the five. Um, but anyway, Toby, 
this has been absolutely lovely. Uh, yeah. I, I can't I can't thank you enough for for taking the time to talk to me this it, week. It, it's been it's been great, and I would be remiss if I didn't at the end of this podcast thank you for. Um, before this podcast started, we have a life we had a life altering conversation <laughs> about my usage of the microphone, uh, and Nick showed me how to. I've been using this microphone for years and he told me how to actually use it because I haven't adjusted any of the settings. I was talking into the wrong part of the, of the microphone. Man. It was too far away from me. Like, and I've been told that my voice is, is better now. And so I just want to, I want to thank you for that. Oh, um, I, it's I, actually I really the only reason that. why you're here, you know, is because I just had to get the conversation. Like, to dude, I got to find a way to get this guy <laughs> talking in the microphone right. I think I, think I made the you same joke with so Bubba. so bad. Uh, no, uh, no, I, it's, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for your listeners. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to share that stuff. Uh, if anyone has any questions about audio production in that way, in the simplest forms, like I'm not going to talk to you about uh, Adobe Premiere and, and all of that or Adobe Audition, I should say. I about because I don't pot personally use it, but you even mentioned like not spending a lot of time editing podcasts is actually it's important to be able to you know conserve that time and still make it as as good as it can be without spending an hour or two, right? So uh, it, it can be it can be tough to do, and it's very important to find that right balance. But Toby, really, thanks so much for being here. And uh, before you go, uh, tell everybody what you're doing and where they can find you. Uh, best place to meet, reach me on is on Twitter at batflipcrazy. Um, you can feel free to connect to me there. The podcast, if you search for it on any podcast platform, is Batflip Crazy Fantasy Baseball. Uh, we record on Tuesday nights, so it normally comes out uh, Wednesday morning uh, for most people. And I have a website, batflipcrazy.com. However, I have not updated it in quite a long time. Uh, I need to be more of a rhinoceros, I think, uh, in <laughs> that regard. Uh, and, uh, but so don't visit there, but I have it, it exists. And, um, thank you. And thank you, Nick. I, I know you guys do fantastic work at picture list and you've always been super supportive of sharing my work and, um, giving me a platform to do that. So I really appreciate that. So keep up the great work. Well, come on, man. And, uh, and also you mentioned rolling graphs before you can check out Toby's, uh, uh, rolling oh, graphs at PitchCon. at PitchCon, uh, which yeah. you, if you just search PitchCon, uh, Batflip crazy, you'll find it. Uh, but it's on, the, of course, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash pitcherless. You can find it there. Tune in next week. We're going to have another episode of Nick Pollock and Friends.